Hello, Blenders, and welcome, welcome to Real Blend, a podcast that can't wait to see who Dave Batista is going to play in Suicide Squad Part Two. Wow, that what a what a wait, is that the shortest distance between breaking news and you working it into the opening line of a podcast? Well, if I'm going to give people a peek behind the curtain, Jake, yes, I had a totally different one written, and I scrapped it because what was the uh, other one? What some... was the what was the deleted? Give me the deleted scene. <sighs> it was more of a like a Netflix is going to win a Best Picture, but then we're not talking about the Netflix movies that I saw, so I can't really do that. And uh, then I had one about something about turds in the wind uh, and eighty yeah. million dollars, yeah. but I couldn't quite figure out how to make that one <laughs> that one work. To be fair, so. they couldn't figure out how to make Venom work either, so. Well, listen. I, I like Venom. Hey, no uh, one at Sony is. Game's already freaking out. We're already off the rails about Venom. <laughs> yes, listen. By now, you know the de- you know the drill. We are live on Facebook. My name is Sean O'Connell. I'm the managing director here at Cinema Blend. You are tuning in to Real Blend. This is episode number forty-one. And as always, I am joined each and every week by Kevin McCarthy of Fox Five in Washington D.C. Kevin, hello. Hello, Jonathan, Jake how Hamilton, Gabriel. Yes. How are you, sir? Uh, well, that is also Jake Hamilton, Fox 32 in Chicago. Jake, how are you? Woo! Yay! Yes, applause for everybody. All right, well, screw me. No applause then. I can't wait for you guys to hear the stories that these two have to tell because I'm amazed each and every week that I am able to do a podcast with such superstars in the field of film journalism uh, and the elbows that they get to rub, but we will get to that momentarily. Uh, hopefully you guys are watching us on the Cinema Blend Live Facebook page. If so, drop comments and questions down below and producer Gabe, uh, we will allow him to speak or communicate somehow with us. Oh, that's right, Gabe. I have to open up one of these chat windows so you and I can talk and figure out what we're doing. And if you're over on iTunes or Spotify or Google Play, I will update you on the fact that we now have 57 star ratings i'd feel really more comfortable if we were at like 60 or 65 because that yeah. 100 is it's, it's feeling it's a tough get dude it's tough <laughs> it's get. Feeling further and further away but uh i still believe i believe in you guys and um of course when you're there you can re- you can leave us reviews and we have promised to read them on the show and the newest one has the greatest subject line that we were all laughing about Earlier, it's Kirk of Dunn. Yeah, yes, <laughs> which is awesome. Yes, and by the way, even, even I have to admit that's pretty cool. The question <laughs> is: Before I get to the review, are we going to shout Dunkirk at the end of every episode, like for for the end of time, or like is it going to have to become? I've like, been wondering since the first time that happened. How? I how mean, many times? well, first of all, since I'm the one who says it, uh, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm going to go ahead and dictate that. That yes, I'll be saying it as much as I. Uh, Right. Feel <laughs> that I think it's necessary. <laughs> Until Nolan releases another movie, I guess. Well, I, how about this? I will stop saying it the day Nolan comes on our podcast. Oh, all right. Challenge so if, dropped. If, if somebody out there can somehow make that happen, right. I will stop saying Dunkirk at the end of our podcast. I think you know some people who could make that happen, actually, <laughs> Kevin. You have a few people what you What do you mean, email Kevin? You could call. make that happen. What are you I talking about? So. He knows some people. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I saw that guy seven times last year. I don't don't think he ever wants to see me ever again. (laughs) (laughs) So this is from Brady3893, who writes Kirk of Dunn and says, I first want to say that each, this is really nice, that that each of you three men are movie geniuses. That's 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 extreme. And this is why this guy is perfect for this week's episode. The disagreements, although respectful, are what make this podcast truly special, and I find myself almost rooting for one of you not to like a movie that the other two enjoyed. Oh, you have no idea what's in store mm. for you. 
Brady, <laughs> I hope you're listening this week because you picked a really good one. My father introduced movies to me at a young age with Silver Bullet. Not the wow. best parenting choice for three-year-old, he says. Speaking of, do you guys see the Pet Cemetery photographs? Yeah. yeah they look really are, good. Yeah. Um, it's uh, the new era of Stephen King. I love it. And ever since I have been hooked... Arts. You are you are three hilarious yet highly intellectual human beings, and you make my this this is I love this part. You make my thirty minute commute to and from work actually enjoyable. You guys bring me joy when I'm feeling down, and I can't thank you enough. Keep up the good work, and Dunkirk, in all caps and four exclamation points. And I I've heard that from a couple of different people that that we've made their commutes better. That like when they're sitting on a train or. Driving on, you know, we have a lot of DC listeners uh, because Kevin and Beltway traffic and they love listening to the podcast. So I love that that's a way that people are finding us. So thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. And and keep keep Dunkirk alive. Let's keep it alive. (laughs) I think we have a... A few more weeks of it at the very least. Hey, it's making its way into the reviews. I guess it's catching on a little bit. Right before we started the podcast, we had some huge, huge breaking news. And so we're going to start there, uh, which is James Gunn. Kevin, did you even see this? He's heading over to no. the DCEU. James Gunn to write and direct Suicide Squad 2. Ooh. Yes. So. I mean, yeah. Right off the bat, but does that get you more excited? I read, from what I understand, yeah. Yeah. it's less of a direct sequel to Suicide Squad and more of like they're kind of already rebooting it. Sort of like they're just going to hand it over to Gunn and say... Do with it what you want to, man. Well, but that's interesting because the Suicide Squad in the comics usually had like a few key members, but was a rotating, you know, rotation of people used and primarily because they were expendable and some of them died on missions. So you could very easily explain why a lot of these people aren't are are not like from the original team are not coming back for this one. But also you have Margot Robbie, who's jumping over to the Birds of Prey movie. Um, and she's going to be doing her own. There's also, she's in, tagged in a Jared Leto, Joker, Harley Quinn movie. And so Dr. I can see her. And also Dr. Phil. Uh, and Dr. Phil is in that one also. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I could see him getting like, like James Gunn could take like Will Smith and Jai Courtney and then just build from there and have him bring in a whole new stable of people. Or, you know, like you said, sort of start over. I don't think anyone's married to the original Suicide Squad no. and needs to see, you know, those threads carried over. Yeah, I think it's an interesting choice. Well, first of all, James Gunn's background, um, correct me if I'm wrong, is the, is the trauma uh, films. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Horror. So I, I think, uh, I, I listen, Guardians of the Galaxy was, the first one was amazing. Second one was, I thought was fine. Um, I, I, the the idea of him being fired uh, was, that, was a whole thing we've discussed a lot about. Uh, I guess the question to you guys, I guess, would be, do you think it's proper to have him direct again and i think uh oh, I well, think yes i think well, absolutely i completely agree I and mean, i guess to give people some context again james gunn was fired for tweets that came out many many years ago that he had already apologized for i believe before even guardians one came out is that correct correct so disney um, had acknowledged that tweets, they knew yes, of tweets those that he tweets had apologized for already right yeah. and, and, he and had no disney, one's defending those they're awful no they were really bad insensitive jokes agreed horrible tweets insensitive uh, tweets but again acknowledged prior to Guardians 1 and, and Guardians 2, he was then fired because they came back to the surface in these very politically charged times. I think we can all agree on that. So, 100%. Uh, what, a, what I, a great way to phrase it, Kevin. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean that's just really kind of what it comes <laughs> yeah. down to, is no, that right. it, we are living, right. we're living in a time where things like that, and again, not defending the tweets, 
awful tweets. Um, but yeah, I, I, I listen. I'm all for people getting second chances. Uh, I'm people who make mistakes, apologize for them. Uh, I think James Gunn more than deserves to direct again. Would you guys agree on that? Absolutely. Without question. Without question. Yeah. I, 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 I think he should be on Guardians Three. I don't. I don't think I he think should so have been too. taken off of Guardians Three. Yeah. So here's I, I, what yeah. I. Here's what I think about this too. Um, James Gunn very clearly could have directed almost anything he wanted to at any other studio. Marvel and Disney were not going to play with him. Great. Um, but he could have done anything that wasn't superhero related. In fact, I think he has a few projects sort of in the mix. Right. Him. Him choosing to do a sequel at. Marvel's rival is a very calculated shot across the bow. You think oh, so? Yeah. Oh, it's interesting. 100%. I, I, yeah, I guess. I mean, that's a good. I 100%. never really. I didn't think of it like that. I guess so. And also considering how I don't want to say comparable Guardians and Suicide Squad are, but almost like okay, well, you won't let me direct your weird band of misfits. Well, I'm going to go yep. to your competition and direct their weird band of misfits. Exactly. Yeah. So, exactly. Wow. I, didn't, I actually didn't even think about that. The correlation of him. Jumping to the other side, you're right. I mean, and now, it. I don't yeah. think that he went to DC and was like, give me a project so I can stick it to Marvel. But I'm sure that people at, Mo- at DC were like, he's out there. Let's he knows it. how to do this. Which I'd say is a brilliant move. Since this, since this just broke, is this confirmed, Sean? The rap reported it um, and and reported it as a uh, on board to write and potentially direct Hollywood reporter went even stronger with their language and said, it's a done deal. Um, but you know, this is the DCU we're talking about where projects get thrown out against the wall constantly and fall apart. In fact, in writing the James Gunn story, as this was breaking, I realized that a year ago we wrote on cinema blend that Gavin O'Connor who wrote the, the accountant was going to direct suicide squad too. And so no one's called him apparently as he's maybe working on his treatment. And of course, you know, Ben Affleck has three more Batman movies that he wrote and is going to direct. So did, who knows? Did, but didn't Gavin direct Accountant? And, you mentioned Accountant, but didn't he also direct Warrior? Yes, he directed oh, Warrior. Also, one of my favorite all-time yeah. movies. I love. It's Warrior. tremendous. Yeah. yeah, and I actually feel a little bit bad for David Ayer because I don't think David Ayer is the reason the Suicide Suicide Squad doesn't no. work. I, I, I didn't realize that kitchens. until you guys brought that to my attention. How much it really seems like he got screwed over a little bit in terms of. Yeah. And I'm not saying that his version necessarily would have been a masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination, but everything that I've read about what he had envisioned that was then messed up by Warner Brothers actually sounded really cool. Yeah. And so what DC needs to do, I think we all agree with this, is if you hire James Gunn and you're going to let him write let and him do the it. sequel, yeah, leave him alone. Step back. And I mean, like, you know, same, same thing. Just you, you hire a vision, let the vision be seen. Yes. I had, I had a great conversation the other day with an actor who was in Suicide Squad who I won't name. Um, on on air, I'll tell it you was Will Smith. Off. Yeah, it was Will Smith. No, it wasn't Will Smith. Um, <laughs> who had a lot to say about what happened behind those scenes and told me some told me some crazy stories about um, some of the the uh, the moments on set. I'll, I'll text, Is it Jai I'll, Courtney? I love Jai no, Courtney. I'll text Dude, you you've got like a bro crush on Jai Courtney. On Jai My uh, fantasy football team is I believe I can Jai, and I use <laughs> I use Jai Courtney photographs as but, my um. What's your record? As my thumbnail. I'm two and. Two and three on the. Ha- uh, I have a terrible team. Uh, I have a terrible those, team. I was in a survivor I pool. I got knocked out after like week two. I was so. <laughs> uh, by the way, Jai Courtney. Um, what a strange actor to be a fan of. Has he ever done a great movie? Like no, but I love film? him because he's so generically bland, right? And yeah. like, he's the it's perfect like example of someone who's the most yeah, exactly. interesting thing about him is his name. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 100%. Oh, I don't it love him because he's talented. There. 
He yeah, reminds no, no, no. me of Sam Worthington, like 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 they're like like a, an actor they tried to push into a bunch of big films. Right, Sam Worthington, is, the only person on the planet who wants to see Avatar two happen. Hundred uh, <laughs> percent true, but like yeah. if you think about like Jai Courtney, he was in, he was in an awful Terminator film. He was in. I mean, Genesis was was a the better. Uh, it wasn't as bad as um, McGee's movie Salvation, but it yeah. was not good. Uh, and then so he was in one. multiple Divergent films. Yeah, and nobody even remembers that that's a thing. Some really bad films <laughs> in his filmography. That's a it's strange terrible. actor to be a fan of. <laughs> he keeps getting work. Um, Jason Ship, who's watching us on the Facebook page, says Henry Cavill should now jump over to Marvel. Wouldn't that be amazing? Ooh. Wouldn't that be great? Why yeah. not? Henry Cavill's going to direct Guardians 3. The, the, the next 20 years are just all of the actors on the other side. <laughs> yeah, Chris Evans is yeah. going to be in Suicide Squad 2. Downey's going to be Batman. It's going to be huge. <laughs> I and would watch that, that. We'd all be down for yes, it. Yes, that'd be amazing. He'd be a great old Batman. <laughs> uh, let's stay in the superhero realm and jump to Venom. And uh, I need Gabe to pull the tape, although I should have told him this a while ago, so we could have actually done it, of what our predictions were for Venom, because I think we were all way... Way off. I even, I think, I want to say that I was somewhere around 50 or 60 in my predictions and everyone kind of laughed at me and I, even I was way off. That thing made $80 million. And, uh, well, I mean, what I think it says is that Venom 2 is happening, <laughs> whether we awesome. like it or not. But yeah, let's get into this because, um, the text chain started going around. I had seen it already, talked about it on last week's show, mentioned that I didn't care for it. I was disappointed by it. Jake and Kevin went at the exact same time and their text replies were polar opposites. Jake said it hurt so badly that a a part of his body was aching <laughs> from the from the atrocity. Uh Kevin liked it. And yeah. so um I I kind of want Kevin to go first here and just talk about your reaction to Venom, how it played for you. And um and, and how you feel driving that bandwagon? I thought Venom was fun. I, I I was very shocked at um at the negativity from both of you on that film. I uh I I I think that Venom. I, it's funny. I I would call it, and I'm I'm sure someone's already said this. It's like that 311 song, a beautiful disaster. Like there were things in that film that were very problematic. I mean, there there's a motorcycle sequence that has some of the worst. Green screen I've ever seen. I'm so and glad then, you acknowledge that. At it's least, a bad that scene. scene. Is so it's bad. a bad it's scene. So bad. And oh. then there the uh, there's a there's a fight scene towards the end that had some not horrible CGI but rough CGI to a point where it, it wasn't great. Um, that being said, I thought Tom Hardy was outstanding. I thought he was so much fun. Uh, I thought the uh, the dialogue between Eddie and Venom was amazingly fun to watch. I, I was. I would watch three hours of them, them just going back and forth, regardless of whether or not that is completely uh, in tune with the, what the comics did with the character. I, again, am coming from that uh, perspective of somebody who's not a Venom fan. I'm not a fan of Venom. I don't know much about Venom um, other than what I know that him, him being Spider-Man's main uh, big villain. But, you know, I, um, I just thought that Hardy played the part so well, and it was funny. It was entertaining. Uh, and I, I didn't think the humor was unintentional. I think there was definitely intentional 
banter that was meant to be funny in that film. There's a great sequence where he tells Venom tells him to jump out of a window and he calls him a, a funny word without uh, for not running down the stairs or do, using using the window. I thought that was hilarious. Um, that being said, the SWAT team scene is incredibly fun to watch. Not fun; it's a very violent scene, but it's a really cool uh, scene in the film. Uh, I thought that Michelle Williams was fine. I thought that uh, Riz Ahmed was a good, was a solid villain. Um, again. This is not a great movie by any means, but I thought that Hardy was so well cast in this. I thought he did such a great job with this, and it elevated the bad material that may have it may have been based upon. Uh, I thought Ruben did a solid job directing it. Uh, I think there, I, I think this film is definitely worth seeing in a theater. I'm not saying it's great, but I had fun with it. My I saw it in a crowded theater. The entire theater was uh, was having a great time. They cheered at the end of the movie now again granted this was a free cheering that it was over no i I don't think so i also thought the ending credit the middle ending credit scene was fantastic people are very very negative on that i I, have to push back on the use of the word fantastic i thought it was a great scene Uh, i thought the casting was really good for that moment it was it, it made me it kept me entertained now Granted, I gave this movie a three out of five. So, you know, put that into perspective. Here's what I said on the air, and here's how what I stand by. There are, in my opinion right now, three levels of superhero films. Horrible, okay, and great. On the horrible side of things, you have the Electras, the Daredevils, the second half of Suicide Squad, Catwoman. Those are horrendously bad superhero films. Suicide Squad part one of the film I actually liked. Part two is not great. On the other realm of this, you have the Infinity Wars, the Civil Wars, the Winter Soldiers, a lot of the MCU. Like, those are outstanding, phenomenal films. Infinity War is one of the greatest movies I've seen in years. That is a gigantically massive, beautiful film, and I love it. Is Venom that good? No, not anywhere near that. Venom is right in the middle. That's where I stand on it. I think Hardy elevates the bad material and i thought that the venom and eddie conversations were worth the entire price or or seeing the film in theater so to me that's what worked jakey jakey counterpoint (laughs) venom reminded me of a superhero movie that came out in 2003 in the era of electra and daredevil and and catwoman that i forgot to see and then 15 years later, someone was like, did you ever see Venom? And I was like, no, I didn't. And then I sat down to watch it and I went, well, that was a piece of crap. I'm so glad that I forgot to see that. But it didn't come out 15 years ago. It came out during the golden age of superhero movies. You guys ever make chili? Oh, yeah, There's an the element time. of making chili where you yeah. just kind of just throw stuff in yes. and then let it simmer. And then about six hours later, you kind of go back and go, let's see what we got. And I sort of felt like that's what Venom was. They just threw a lot of stuff in there, and then they just kind of let it marinate and sort of... Like, it felt like the director and Tom Hardy never had a discussion in terms of what they both wanted. Like, they were in two completely different movies. I mean, honestly, Kevin, everything you liked about it, I disliked. I thought the banter between um, between Tom Hardy's character and Venom, it reminded me of, like, a B-level like buddy cop movie that came out after 48 hours and was trying to replicate 48 hours, but wasn't quite good enough. Um, I thought the CGI was horrible. Um, I mean, in the, the day whole and age, time or just, just a couple, honestly the whole time, like that, like the, when the venom way. face came out and was talking to him, like, I like that. Th- th- I don't th- like that think about what CGI looks like these days. I mean, there's no, it shouldn't have looked like that. I thought it's attempts at humor were misplaced and kind of made me want to go, okay, are we, 
is are we making a comedy? Or are we making a drama? I thought Riz Ahmed and, and Michelle Williams. I I mean, talk about like phoning it in. They may as well have worked for AT and T. I mean, it was just. Oh, oh come on! Was, Michelle Williams is good. I like oh, Michelle Williams. Oh dude, it's not that she was bad. She just had nothing to do. No, I see. Like, I was I, like, I like, my eyes were bleeding from boredom. It was, I was. I I just I. It's the most I've wanted a movie to be over, and then they slapped <laughs> me in the face by making the la- the second after credit scene a trailer for their next Spider Man movie. Like oh, no, which happens that a lot. Cool. That happens I like a lot. That. When, when? How often does that really? Every happen? MCU stinger is essentially a trailer. No, and, I know, but it, no. not in that, and not in that regard. But they're all basically trailers and teasers for the. I mean, this they just kind of gave you. I thought it was cool what they gave you uh, from from the Spider Verse film. By the way, uh, the I this is maybe this might might sound strange. I actually liked the beginning of Venom. I, I actually liked the uh, arc of his character losing his job, uh, the journalistic element of him uh, going to interview Riz Ahmed's character. I liked all that. And I thought that Michelle Williams, um, I, I was attached to what, what she did and how she left him. And I kind of, I actually liked the actor who played the guy that she started seeing in the film. He th- I thought he did a really good job. And then on top of that. Um, you, oh, you mean, you mean uh, generic white guy number two? No, well, but this I, is I, I this is why funny. I disagree with that part because it like I I couldn't stand the fact that his editor sent him to do that interview with Rizamed's character. Why? Because if he's because if he's if he's made his entire career on being the guy who shakes up uh, authority and confronts people, you would never send that guy to do a puff piece right. on this controversial. Lab owner. But Eddie's Eddie was a very famous journalist. He had a big online audience. I think that the 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 editor, in my opinion, again, I don't. This is so like crazy to be breaking down because it's so minuscule. But but, but Sean's point is that like the characters' decisions in this movie make no sense. I disagree. And a lot of the decisions that they make are what brings about Venom in the first place. So if the yes. fundamental foundation of a character's decision, it goes against what they're telling us this character is supposed to be. He's supposed to be this hard hitting journalist. And his boss sends him to write, as Sean described it, as a puff piece. Like that doesn't make any sense. So the found just the, the very basis of and the, then he the fires the story, him for doing that fires him when for doing everyone this, knows it, he yes, would do that. Everyone knows it. Like it makes yeah. no sense. Like it just yeah. like in, like it, I I just I, I could not wrap my brain even before Venom even came into the story. I yeah. could not wrap my brain around what the characters were doing. And then also, I got to be honest with you, wasn't a massive fan of the fact that like Tom Brady was breaking into his girlfriend's computer. Like all of this, like what all these characters were doing things that at no point did they convince me that these are things their characters would actually be doing. Tom you know, Brady was in Ted 2, not not uh oh, sorry. Just a heads up sorry. on that. I, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, I confused I confused someone that's successful at what he normally does versus someone that's not. I'm sorry, that's my mistake. Tom Brady, the my fantasy quarterback, by the way. I want to say one last thing about Venom. Normally, I'm not that kind of guy who corrects no, but somebody, but I had to make a joke. Yeah, yeah, no, that was great. Uh, that was I, great Venom moment. is the kind of movie that's so poorly scripted that the, the you only get like six major characters and they're constantly interacting with each other. And the one that annoyed me the most was that the homeless lady that Tom Hardy keeps interacting with is one of the test subjects that Reza Med's lab g- grabs. So when Tom Hardy is in the lab, he's like, wait, what are you doing here? Only homeless lady that I happen to know. Yeah. Here's the thing. <laughs> She's the one there. The movie doesn't have a good script. It doesn't. And it, it has a lot of problems. It does have a lot of problems. And I yes. will be the first to admit that. But I enjoyed my experience with Venom. And I, and That's I, and fair. I, and I will and you're not alone. Gladly see a sequel with Tom Hardy. I think I would love love to have seen just more of Venom in him. And I will say this, and this is, and I mean this very, very truthfully, 
uh, without giving away anything away at the end, something happens with a with a disconnection of something, and I genuinely felt I was I was I felt bad. I was I was emotionally invested in wow. those two characters together. So I will say that, and there was a part of me was like. Please don't let that be the, the case. And, you know, so, I, Kevin, I, I, I know it. like, you know, one of the things you've been emphasizing is that like you're, you're middle of the ground on this movie. I'd say probably leaning toward the good positive. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think this is genuinely one of the worst movies I've seen this year. Wow. It's, like, but like, it's, like not middle of the ground leaning bad. Genuinely one of the worst movies I've seen this year. Did you see 1517 of Paris? I did see <laughs> that. Was, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that's the worst. a bad movie. I think, I think, oh, I think man. the worst film I've seen this year that, that award goes, wait, should we do that at the end of the year? Yeah, we should do definitely. a worse. Okay, movie all right, then I'll hold yeah. back. But it's not Venom. 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 Venom doesn't even get the privilege of being my <laughs> least favorite film of the yeah. year. I mean, I gave it two stars. It has has a, a lot of problems, but I but, I f- focused more on those than on anything but, that it did. Sean, you so you so Jake. Safe to say, you hated Venom, right? Yes. Okay, yes. Sean, you did not like Venom, but you also would you say you hated Venom? No, it didn't make me super angry. It made me more disappointed. Gabe, the, and I know Gabe. Well, uh, as well, a father, you know, isn't that isn't that worse? <laughs> it is. Did yeah, Gabe see Venom is. or no? Gabe, you didn't see Venom, did you? He didn't see taste. So Gabe here's what I'm going to say. house snob. He went to go see <laughs> <laughs> some Judy Dench movie on Tea with Dames. <laughs> I would kill to see the Judy Dench version of Venom. Yes, where she's the symbiote. Yes, give the people what they want. I, if I could request this without uh, asking too much of Gabe and we'll move on. Gabe, if you have a chance to see Venom between now and the next show, I'd love Don't. for you to to to, to not, see. Not I, I'm curious coming where you out this fall. weekend. I'm curious yeah, where he really. falls. That's all. All right, break the tie. Um, uh, really quickly, I want to get to, oh, um, so Venom has $80 million as an October record. Does Halloween have a chance of breaking it? I think Venom, I, uh, I think People are sleeping on how big Halloween's going to be. Oh, I'm after, thinking a hundred million. Yeah, I'm say after the day and age of a hundred million, it's going to be huge. It's going to be massive. I, and um, listen, I'm with you. I think it should be, but a hundred million. Dude, for a here's non- why maybe it won't be as big as something like it. Is that wow. did it did it ever have the same pre? I mean, keep in mind when it came out, didn't it have the record for the most trailer yeah. views in the first 24 hours. Halloween yeah. never quite did that, and it doesn't. I don't think it touches the nostalgia area quite like it and Pennywise, just because Michael Myers never really went away in the way that Pennywise did. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to necessarily do. I think it did big numbers because it was it. I don't think it was necessarily because we were aching for this. I think it's going to be massive. I don't know if we're looking at a triple digit weekend. Interesting. Um, you guys did some incredible Q&As, and I really just want to toot your own horns for you. Um, and they're tied to one movie that's in theaters and one movie that's coming to theaters. Uh, Jake, I want you to talk a bit about your first man Q&A in Chicago. Who did you have at your screening? It was actually really cool. So um, there was a screening of First Man for an audience on Sunday, and all they knew was that it was going to be a screening. And so I got to, when the movie was over, I got to go in front of the crowd and say, hey guys, you know, my name's Jake Hamilton, I'm the entertainment reporter here in uh, here in Chicago. And some of my friends were in this screening, so it was cool to be able to invite them without really telling them what was about to happen. And I said, look, I said, I just got back from Kennedy Space Center in Florida, and the studio asked me to maybe come out and talk to you guys a little bit about the movie. And you could see this general look of disappointment and boredom in their face, as in like, who is this guy that's going to come out here and try to tell us about this movie we just saw? But then I added, I said, look, 
first rule of being a reporter is to never be the most knowledgeable guy in the room about any topic. So if you guys don't mind, I actually have a few friends I'd love to bring out and then maybe I could talk to them about the movie. And you could tell there was this like weird shuffling as people began to sort of look around. And then I let a beat pass and I said, ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Gosling and Damien Chazelle. And then the two of them walked out in the theater and actually someone in the crowd had recorded (laughs) that moment. I have video of it and the, and the crowd just went insane. So I got Mm -hmm. to sit with Ryan and Damien and uh, and talk with them for 30 minutes in front of this crowd and it was actually it really made me and, and guys i mean we we've, we've all done q and a's and we've all done junkets the difference between a 4 minute 5 minute junket interview and an actual 30 minute dare i say conversation <laughs> is, is black and white i mean it's, yeah. it's just a st- and it really was honestly and and i say this in the sense that he is a nice guy but not the easiest interview it's the first time i've walked away with Ryan Gosling going, I feel like I, I feel like I got something from him. I felt like, and, and maybe, and that's the kind of guy he needs. He needs someone that is more of of a of a conversation kind of guy. Then I love that you had them on your show the next morning. Yeah, they came on my morning show, which was great. <laughs> and and uh, and which I mean, the thought of Ryan Gosling and like Damien Chazelle doing live local television just blows my mind. But then Jake texted us right after both of those events, and he said, I'm officially out of questions. <laughs> I, I'm not this I got them at the junket, and then I did a 30-minute Q&A, and then I had them on the morning show the next day. I've got, I've got, I had no more first-man questions. I'm out. Jake, did you take questions from the audience of yours? They Originally, I was going to, and about yeah. six hours before, because it was going to be a 15-minute Q&A and a 15-minute audience. And, uh, and luckily, I had enough questions to, to you know, last me. For a while, I got a text from uh, from the studio saying, "Hey, we're just going to do you for thirty minutes." That's awesome. What uh, uh, out of everything you guys talked about, what was like the most like enlightening thing you kind of learned about the movie you didn't know prior to the Q and A? Since you got able to have a thirty minute discussion. Well, I thought about you actually in this moment because I did go a little bit technical, and and they talked awesome. a little bit about the green screen, which I know, and and uh, and I mean that as a compliment that we, when we went technical about all because you know we think of the sounds as just like oh natural like the sounds of the shuttle launching. And just like, oh, it's, it's a shuttle launching sound. But like, you can't take that from NASA. You can't like take, there isn't a sound, there isn't a shuttle launch sound. So they have to create it from something. And yeah. so Damien was telling me, he goes, how you, how you would be amazed how often animals or animals are brought in to movie sounds, not just for like a T-Rex roar. Of course, that's going to be like a lion and stuff like that. But he was saying how like Scorsese used like the sound of like a rhino for Raging Bull in, a, in the boxing ring and how many That's animal cool. sounds he brought into the shuttle line. Like, it's all just a bunch of crazy animal sounds and gunshots and stuff just mixed together, which I thought that really, in my head, I thought, oh, God, I wish yeah. Kevin were here to hear that because I just felt like we would have got a kick out of that. And well, Gosling, I, you know, yeah, Gosling, you know, was able to, like, he actually had a little fun and talked about, uh, you know, uh, you know how he went into pilot and he almost tried to have a Daniel Day-Lewis moment where he wanted to learn how to fly and everything and he got up there for about 10 minutes and just completely just let's say got scared and uh was just like yeah i'm done i'm done i I don't i don't care whether or not i can actually fly a plane no Um, and i I watched jake's uh on-air interview was awesome that's a hard thing to do with uh especially because gosling's like your gosling's the star right and like you have to kind of balance that out on live tv and have your filmmaker um you know not feel shy and and damien obviously is a big filmmaker in our mind but you know the audience obviously wants to talk to hear about so that's what i I I don't know if you noticed that like so it was the three of us sitting at the anchor desk yeah i made sure to put damien in the middle because my thought was i don't want it to i did i never wanted my director at the station to be able to take a two shot of me and ryan Yes. And leave Damien out. So I purposefully was like, let, put Damien in the middle so he will always be involved. Even if he's just in the shot, I never wanted him to feel it. Ex- I mean, he's 
Academy Award winner for Best Director. I, I, yeah. I, I kept having trying to start. I was like, look, I get you appreciate Ryan Gosling, but this is the youngest man to ever win, youngest person yeah. to ever win an Oscar for directing. He is going to be included in my conversation. He's got two masterpieces on his resume. He does. Too. Three. Yeah. And he's 33 years old. <laughs> and cool thing about uh, Jake brings up the sound effects. Um, I actually didn't know this. So uh, they, had a, they, had, they did a premiere for First Man in D.C. Uh, uh, last Thursday. And um, I got a lot of the people that worked on the film to stop for me uh, on the carpet. The VFX supervisor who won um, uh, won uh, an Oscar recently. I can't remember the name of the film off the top of my head at the moment. But uh, he did like Gone Girl. He did, uh, oh, he won for Blade Runner last year. Blade Runner 2049. Cool. He was the VFX oh, guy. sidebar. I, I mentioned to uh, Ryan Gosling how much I love Blade Runner. And his response broke my heart. His response was, Oh, you're the one person that saw it. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Which broke my heart. I was like, oh, you know, I got that exact same response from George Clooney when, because he filmed Leatherheads here in North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. And I said, and I met him at this party. I said, Mr. Clooney, I love Leatherheads. And he goes, oh, you're the guy. Yeah, yeah. you're the guy. I was like, oh. oh. Like, I wanted to like, I was like, Ryan Gosling, if I wouldn't be tackled by your security, I'd hug you right now. I love Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> well, but cool thing, kind of uh, what Jake was talking about, about, the sound effects. I didn't know this. The... So when, when you watch First Man, there's no green screen whatsoever, and they try to do it as much as they could in camera. They actually, the actual Apollo 11 launch that you see in the film where it's all that fire and it's like yeah. about to lift off, that is actual footage of the Apollo 14 launch that they manipulated in a way to get you to see a physical full launch. So part of what you're seeing on screen is an Apollo 14 footage of the launch to make it look like it's the Apollo 11 launch. It's pretty wild. That's it's amazing. Kevin is cutting into his own time. I've been trying to deflect over to Kevin yes. because he has an equally his, yeah, his, amazing yeah, story. Exactly. But all he wants to do is talk about the Apollo 14 is this, launch. For is God this the Damien and Dad story? Which one are we doing? You're no, doing the, Bradley the, the Cooper and Dave Chappelle. Oh, Kevin yeah. also got to host something that we can't watch. Did anyone record this? I have all, I have all 40 minutes of it on my phone. Do you? Do you? All right, Kev, yeah. Kevin went to AFI in Washington, D.C. and hosted a post- Q&A screening of A Star is Born with Bradley Cooper and yeah. Dave Chappelle. Did you ask him about his one scene in the movie? That's the which, which one? Ch- oh, oh, yeah. Chappelle's only scene. Oh, like, dude. Oh, God. Is he just live in D.C.? Is that why he was there? No, I think he lives in Ohio. Um, So oh. uh, cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep this brief, but there's a lot of cool things that came out of that Q&A. So Warner Brothers asked me to moderate a conversation uh, with uh, Cooper and uh, Dave Chappelle. And I say on com- opening night. On April, right? yeah, opening that's, night. That's so cool that it was opening night. I mean, yeah, like, the, the, like the, the, the buzz was white hot. I mean, you, you could not have picked a better time yeah. to... To host that Q&A. And it was a 7 p.m. screening, and, you know, Cooper went to Georgetown. Chappelle grew up in Silver Spring. The actual Q&A happened within the, in Silver Spring, Maryland, which is where he grew up, which was wild. He was telling me that as he was driving in, he drove past his grandmother's house. It was pretty wild. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was wild. And same thing with Jake. I didn't take any audience questions. Uh, some members wrote some questions down to hand to me, but um, as the I, I had so much to Kevin ask. Kevin McCarthy takes questions from no one. Yeah. But no, I, said, I, I actually did use one of the, one of the fan questions. It was something about um, Bradley Cooper's uh, uh, inspiration from Eddie Vedder from, from Pearl Jam. And I, cool. and this, uh, I remember cool. this, this guy, TJ, uh, wanted to ask it, so I, you know, I asked it for him. But the, um, the Q&A was fascinating because it was, again, like Jake said, you have 40 minutes to basically discuss the film that you love, and you're not constricted to a four-minute window. 
And I was worried because Dave Chappelle is very witty. He's very funny. And I was worried I wasn't going to be able to kind of keep up with his humor. Um, but he was so incredibly cool. A couple of things I learned that I'll, I'll share here that I thought are fascinating. And I think people know this already, but if you don't, this is pretty cool information. So Bradley Cooper's dog in the movie is his real dog. Um, cool thing about that is he, he apparently tried to call the dog by a different name in the film, and it didn't work. So they actually had to keep the same name. So when you, in the movie, the dog's name is the real dog. Dog's name in real life. Oh, that's so. I, I never um, thought about that. That's so. And you know, he's actually getting a lot of um, uh, acclaim from PETA for doing yeah. that. PETA saying, "Hey, thank you for not going to one of these." Which I didn't know that was really an issue. The, these these Hollywood animal houses that keep yeah. these. Yeah, it's cool how they did that. Also, Dave Chappelle's real daughter is in that is in the is in the dinner table sequence. Um, I, I did not know this, so uh, this was news to me when when. Uh, when Dave Chappelle said that during the Q&A, if you watch the dinner table scene with Dave Chappelle, that's his real daughter talking to Lady Gaga about how pretty she is. Um, again, a lot of things I already covered in my interviews with, with Bradley Cooper about jumping on those real stages at Stagecoach in Glastonbury. Uh, we talked about the, uh, and this is something Sean talked about in his interview as well, uh, for people who have seen A Star is Born now, the final shot of the movie when, when Lady Gaga looks into yeah. the camera, that's the moment the star is born because she's been avoiding the camera the entire um, the entire film and then she looks into the camera, that's the moment, the literal moment. I also talked about the idea that um, was she ever going to bill herself as Stephanie and not Gaga? And that Ooh, that's there a good was, question. There was a conversation about that apparently um but they went with lady gaga as well um but you know Dave me, well, let me ask a question because now you've seen it a second time um doesn't she look into the camera during the wedding scene like when oh, they get married no, she, looks up. she her looks eyes up, are looking she? off camera yeah they are, are they yes yeah, yeah because okay. you see the tear rolled it's actually in the trailer that's in the trailer yeah. yeah, and that's what reminded me again. I was like, wait a second, I think he lied to me. Yeah, but, uh, but a couple of cool things. So the cool thing about q and is I, I got to, so I, I left the film about 20 minutes early and Bradley Cooper and, and my wife and I, we hung out in a green room kind of upstairs and Cooper and I were just talking about everything. So the cool thing about Bradley Cooper, he's a big film fan and he watched a lot of movies at TIFF. Like he went and saw Roma and he loved Roma. We're talking about that. Um, but during the Q&A, which was kind of fascinating, he talked a lot about, um, you know, the filmmaking process and kind of, you know, the fact that when the filming was done, Jackson did take some time to leave him. But then one of the things he brought up, which I didn't know, was that he wore Chris Kyle's actual like shoes or boots when he was filming some of American Sniper. And then when he took the boots off, he said the character left him, which I thought was really fascinating. Um, and, uh, I'm a big Chappelle show fan. So Dave Chappelle talked a lot about infusing music into the comedy central show that he did. Uh, and you know, most deaf and Talib Kweli and and quest love. And it was just, it was just really, really, a uh, it was a fun moment. I I will say the, the funniest thing that happened at the Q and a, I looked over at Bradley Cooper and I said, you know, I'm not just saying this because I'm sitting across from you guys, but uh, I wanted to tell you that this is the most emotionally moved I've ever been by a film. And just because it hit me at the right time in my life. And, you know, Bradley Cooper was really cool about it. He was like, that's really awesome. Dave Chappelle looks at me and he goes, wait, wait, wait more than roots and, and, <laughs> and so and so you know i'm sitting there in front of a crowd of a couple hundred people and i, and I literally looked in the, i looked at the crowd and i said i am just gonna back away from that one and not say anything because i don't know how to respond to that and then dave Chappelle like totally like joked around and oh by the way cool little side note if you look in the movie when bradley cooper leans back in one of the scenes there's a kilroy tattoo on his bicep and I was trying to figure out what it meant, and he explained that whole thing. And, and at one point, Dave Chappelle looked at me, and he goes, dude, you watched the S out of this movie, didn't you? Yeah. Like, it was really, really a fun uh, thing. And tr- there was one other thing I wanted to bring up, but I can't think off the top of my head, but it was a really cool Q&A. And, um, Bradley Cooper was, 
Oh, oh, you guys will love this. Have you listened to the soundtrack yet for the for the for the film? Have you not bought in its it? Entirety. No, okay. Not in its so entirety. the soundtrack actually walks through the film as 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 if it's the story. So the dialogue from the movie is actually in there. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, the, there's scenes of dialogue where they cut to like Gaga and him. He said that his early inspiration for that was he loved the Pulp Fiction soundtrack. Nice. And, and how cool. Pulp Fiction kind of. Uh, had that dialogue interweaved in. So he talked about that and kind of like, you know, making that like almost uh, another type of cinematic experience for the audience who live That's outside awesome. of the film. Um, it was, oh, it was, I, it I was, saw on a, um, on a TV spot a couple of days ago that so Jake cool. Hamilton calls it one of the greatest soundtracks of all time. <sighs> and I, I saw that Lady Gaga actually posted Jake mercy. Hamilton's quote <laughs> on her You got Instagram. something to say, O'Connell? And his no. uh, and her Twitter. <laughs> Even by our standards, that was. That I was, was just about a, to ask. Do you think Gabe will be able to stay after the show to pick up all the names we just dropped? <laughs> Between Clooney and Gosling and Chazelle yeah. and Chappelle I, and Cooper, so a lot of, that's a lot of names. I'm, I'm actually stunned that there aren't more comments underneath our podcast of just like you insufferable d bags. <laughs> like, <laughs> why do we delete to you those? Three? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I really it's all to, Gabe. It's all Gabe leaving those I comments. I want to talk very what? quickly about the fact that before we get to El Royale, um, I saw Roma and I saw 22 July. And they're two Netflix movies. And I know we're going to have a lot of conversations as, the, as we shift into awards conversation about Netflix and their contenders this year because Roma is incredible, incredible, needs to be seen in a theater. I'm 100% with Kevin on that. 22 July, also really effective. And you guys can watch it on Netflix right now. Um, and oh, I really? So I didn't know it was already on Netflix. It came to Netflix um, today, the day we're recording, which is uh, Tuesday the 9th. Bradley Cooper and in the Q&A said that – well, first of all, he told me off Q&A they loved Roma. And then in the Q&A, he said, I am – essentially, I'm paraphrasing. I'm blown away that I am working in the same business as someone like Alfonso Cuaron, like like oh, just dude. like like just the level of sheer level of genius, and he was talking about Alfonso using an Alexa sixty five millimeter camera to shoot the film, uh, which is just it sounds like it's and he, and didn't Alfonso shoot the movie himself? Like yes. he's the cinematographer, yes, which is. is wild. Yeah, dude, it's so. incredible. Is he, is I can't wait till we can talk. DP, I, I believe so. he is. Yeah. Really? I he is. Yeah. yeah, I believe he is. So he could um, we could win. In theory, you could win an Oscar for cinematography. Oh, we will get to Roma in time. Yes. What? I'm sorry. I just want to say one more quick thing, and, and I'm only bringing this up because I, I, I'm still blown away that it happened. Uh, and this will take two minutes, I promise, Gabe. I was leaving the uh, <laughs> the first man premiere in DC. And this is awesome. This is the craziest yeah, thing story. that's ever happened to me in my life. And my wife and I are walking <laughs> out the door, and this gentleman stops me and he goes, uh, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he said something along the lines of, I saw your first man interviews. Uh, and I absolutely love the technical questions you asked. You know, you know. By the way, I'm 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 Damien's father. And I was like, I was like, oh my god! I'm, and I was like, just like kind of like stopped in my tracks. And he said he watched the interview twice. He sent it to all of his friends, and his mom came up. And then at one point, this is the craziest thing: his mom started asking me how Damien shot some of the film. Like she was like, how is Linus in the capsules and getting the shots? I'm like. I jokingly said, uh, you know, you could ask your son this question if he shot the movie. Uh, but no, it was, it, was a, it was just a cool moment. So shout out to Damien's parents, who, by the way, are, are two teachers. Uh, they live in Jersey. They're cool, super cool people. They brought Damien to D.C. years ago when he was a kid to go to the Air and Space Museum, but he stayed in his room and studied, studied for his SATs instead. And then, you know, years later now, he's at the premiere of his film at the National Air and Space Museum. Just surreal. That's a great so, story. That's all I wanted to say. Um, if you had told me going into this week's podcast um that we would be divided over bad times at the el royale 
I would not have believed you uh, in a minute. Yeah. And if I had to put money on the one member of this group that would love it, <laughs> it's Kevin McCarthy. And in fact, uh, another shock in the text chain is that um, Kevin did not enjoy it nearly as much as Jake and I did. This would be a spoiler-free conversation on Bad Times at the El Royale because it's not open yet. It is opening on Friday. Uh, Jake and I got to see it a little bit earlier than Kevin in our text chain, the two of us have declared it one of the best movies that we saw this year. Jake, it's it will, definitely it will making be my on top my, ten. No, it will be on my top ten. No, in fact, it's probably going to be in my top five. Such a tremendous movie, um, and then it didn't affect Kevin at all in the ways that we would think. And he's wearing his Pulp Fiction not, T-shirt. Not in the way Venom did, apparently. No, he like <laughs> he actually gave Venom a higher star rating than El Royale. Unless you blows my that. freaking mind. I can't understand that, that. That 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 aspect has changed. I will text you guys that later on. But no, yeah, I, I listen. El Royale. I want you guys to talk about it because I I, I want to get into the reasons why I didn't love it next week when we get into a bit of a bigger bigger discussion about it. Um, I think technically the film is. Very well done. I love Drew Goddard. I'm a huge Cabin in the Woods fan. I absolutely loved The Martian, his writing on The Martian. I liked El Royale. Uh, I, I have things that I really liked about it. Uh, the tracking shot specifically with John Hamm is incredible. Um, but I'm going to I'm gonna keep my uh, negative comments until next week when we get into a, a deeper dive when I can kind of get into more detail about it. I just, I didn't love the film. And, I, and, I, and I'm, so you guys, you guys take it away with what you loved about it. Cause I'll, I'll get into more detail about it later. I still liked it. I do recommend people seeing it. I just, uh, it, it, and this all comes down to expectations and we discussed this in our text chain. Uh, and we'll get more into that later on. But, um, I, I, I was very high hopes for this film. And I think, um, I think maybe my expectations were a bit higher than, than I intended. And I, I still liked it. Just didn't love it. So here's what I loved about it. And Jake, you can follow up on this too. Um, it, it's, it was nothing that I expected it to be. Um, and it surprised me. We've seen so many movies that we basically know how a movie is going to play out. Uh, you can sit down at the start of a movie. You can almost project, project what the three acts are going to be. Um, every 10 minutes, this movie surprised me. Uh, it, I, I never knew where a character was going. If I ever anticipated where a character was going to go, they took a left turn. Um, the six or seven main characters that this movie focuses on and places them in an extremely unusual location, which is constantly redefining itself by this dividing line down the middle of the hotel where one side is Nevada, one side is California. Um, continuously brought up unique and interesting ways to keep me invested in the mystery that was unfolding. Um, the one thing I will say is that the ending isn't, doesn't quite stick the landing the way that cabin in the woods does, but man, I just loved all the characters in it. I loved the dialogue. I thought it was close to Tarantino esque. In fact, I put it on a par with early Tarantino, the reservoir dogs, Pulp Fiction level, and we I've talked about this on the podcast a lot. I think later on, Tarantino's movies get to be a little bit too big for him. Um, movies like Django and Inglorious, and I know that I completely differ with you guys on that. Whoa, um, wait, you don't love Django or Inglorious? No, not at all. Okay, no. yeah, this conversation's nullified there. <laughs> I mean, those, those, the those, guy who likes Venom. Those films are masterpieces, and Bastards is probably one of his best movies, but yeah. I digress, continue. But yes, um, so I, I think it's on par with that. I think Drew Goddard has created this incredibly unique, um, different, unexpected, uh, great little crime noir 
with some amazing performances. Jeff Bridges is amazing. I like John Hamm a lot, uh, Dakota Johnson. Um, it's really, really fun and really exciting. And the less you know about it, so I will stop talking, uh, the better, because there are some really, really fun surprises waiting for you in that movie. Yeah, I think of all the movies I've seen this year, and granted, like, take away the ones that I have, like, access to on my Blu-ray shelf right now. If you were to say, hey, I'll, I'll give you the Blu-ray right now and you can sit down and watch it, I think I'd, I, it would be El Royale that I'd want to sit down and rewatch again. Um, yep. It has an instant rewatchability factor because you begin the movie looking at a, a table of just puzzle pieces scattered all over the place, having no idea what the final picture is going to be. And then whenever you finally start putting the pieces together, I mean, you have a massive cast of characters, all of whom I think to certain levels, some more than others, but all still pretty well fleshed out, which is incredibly impressive. I think it's some of the best work that Bridges and Ham have done, uh, at, at least in, in, the, in the past few years. Um, there are some scenes with Bridges where I think it's some of his best work, period. Uh, I think it really shows, it, it excites me. And and does something that I didn't know it could possibly do, which is confirm that Cabin in the Woods was not a fluke. That this that yeah. Drew Goddard is is onto something, and he's doing something that no one else is doing. I know it's easy, right? I'd say yeah, probably the easiest comparable thing would probably be to Tarantino. But there's also there's a um, there's a, there's a, a, a lack of a nasty like replace the nastiness of Tarantino and with almost a, a genuine good heartedness. Um, and and that's I think you get uh, Drew Goddard. And uh, and I just, it really excites me for what he has coming on, and I cannot wait to re to, to to rewatch it. And yeah, guaranteed guaranteed top five for me of the year. You know, what I, I love, thought I absolutely love, brilliant. What I love about it too is that it's his voice from start to finish. Yeah, right. Like and uncompromising. And people, coming out of Cabin, everyone could have been like, make another horror movie, make another. You know, and he didn't. He went to a completely other genre, figured out how to reinvent that genre the way that he reinvented horror movies. With Cabin, um, you know, this idea of placing these six strangers all with secrets um, in a mysterious place isn't new, but the places that he takes it is completely new so that each time a new person is introduced or we learn more about their backstory, it changes everything that you watched before it. And I think this I think that's fantastic. I will say this. I I do. I do uh, want people to see it. I I admire its originality. And there's a lot of good in it uh, for sure. And I think that. I, I would be very curious to hear other people's reactions to it, um, but I'll get into my specifics about it next week. But, but I know we're going to move on to a horror death blend, but yeah. uh, keeping this in literally 30 seconds, what are, what is everyone's ratings for First Man? I went five out of five. And make sure you see it in IMAX, a true IMAX, because it opens up during the moon scene. Where are you guys at on ratings? Jake, go ahead. Four and a half. Out of five? Yeah. Okay. I'm seeing it again as soon as we finish this podcast, and I'd like to wait. Okay, where where are you at at the moment? Out of curiosity, three and a half out of five. Okay, all right, yeah. So but I, I want to see. Yeah, and again, let's talk expectations really briefly. And and expectations are killers for us. They're and we have talked about this. And to me, Damien has two fives in a row back to back, and I needed it to be a five, and it wasn't. And now I just need to see if I, if my three and a half is because it wasn't what I wanted it to be. Um, I need to see it again. And everybody see it again right after this. Everybody goes into films with expectations and bias. It's impossible. Of course. We bring our own lives to every movie we see. That's why like anybody who tells me, Oh, star is born. Wasn't as an emotional as you said it was in your review. It hit me the way it did. So that's or, where, to that, our point a few weeks ago, um, life itself, like people telling me that life right. itself, like was, was uh, emotionally manipulating. I was like, okay, right. well, all you're telling me is that you haven't experienced what I've experienced because right. there are some things in there that affected me because of what I've experienced yeah. as a person. And, and I'm sorry that – well, not sorry, but I, you haven't experienced those things. I'm sorry it didn't affect you because of that. But you can't tell me that it wasn't right. 
emotional because you don't you haven't you haven't been what i've through what i've been through yeah you can't tell me i'm wrong and the thing is yeah we are critics we are going to um there's going to be moments where we all agree on 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 something being phenomenal and and that's going to happen uh occasionally but there are things that just hit people differently and a star is born hit me in a certain way first man hit me in a certain way el royale hit me in a certain way um and just where i was in my life when i saw them so and i think that's the beauty of critics criticism is because people either attach to you they like your personality the way you view movies movies they yeah. base what they like because they they see a similarity in the way you view things so that yeah that's i think it's an interesting thing about bias and expectations and how things we what we bring to a theater when we watch a movie emotionally also let's talk this year and i we can't do it now obviously this year has been incredible yeah this year has it has been, been unbelievably really has been. incredible if you look at this month alone with stars born first man halloween yeah. beautiful boy uh, uh, El Royale, uh, it's just incredible films waiting for people out there. Yeah. And obviously, we're huge yeah. proponents of the, the theatrical experience, and we want you guys to get out there and experience them, and then of course come back. Like, like and films them, from from a wide variety of genres. Yeah. Like like doesn't have to, it's not just like the Oscar, the cliche Oscar prestige films. I mean, we're right. talking high caliber uh, horror films, high caliber biopic. We're talking a wide range of genres. No matter who you are as a film fan. Yeah. October, just this month in general, it's a great time to be a fan of cinema. Incredible, too. I mean, like you love Paddington too. It's been it's been a great year for every. I really genre. need to see Paddington. Me too. Oh, I, I haven't seen Paddington too either. I was, you I was guys have no Sean. excuse. It's yeah. so good. I have to come to Chicago and watch it with Jake. Come on. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, this week's blend game is continuing our horror theme for the month of October. Uh, we came up with horror death blend, and uh, I get to go first. And I swear this was not my pick. Well, maybe it is my pick. Maybe it's my pick because I'm thinking so much about El Royale. But my pick is from Cabin in the Woods. Oh, oh. Wait, 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 okay, I'm sorry. This is horror, right? I, I just, horror I just, death blend. I just, horror I, I, death. I thought you were going to say Marvin's death in Pulp Fiction, but that's not horror. That's one of the greatest deaths of all time. On, Tremendous on death. I swear <laughs> to God, if you pick something that has nothing to do with a horror movie, I I'm going to quit this podcast. <laughs> I'm going horror. No, I'm going horror. I'm going horror. It's when yeah. Thelma and Louise jumped off the cliff. <laughs> it just meant so much to me, those Dude. two ladies. Um, the car and, was a monster. This is a bit of a cheat because it's multiple deaths. Um, but oh, yeah. the moment in Cabin in the Woods where the two, they got the boy and the girl are trapped and they hit the red purge button to release every monster yeah. uh, in those cages into that's the. That's cool. That's cool. When and the that's elevator one doors open. It's a moment, right? That's, that's a moment. moment. Yeah. And it's just, and it repeats. And it's the part of the brilliance of it is every time you hear the ding of the yeah. elevator door. Oh, uh, now you're making me want to watch Cabin out. in the Woods. <laughs> Great! I, I showed it to watch PJ it recently, and he was trucking along. Now, so, so I showed it to my teenage son, right? And he does not—he has not watched as much horror. He's fourteen years old. He's not versed in all the horror cliches that Cabin has fun with. Addresses, yeah. Um, and so he was like, "This is cool." He really loved Hemsworth, you know, jumping and hitting the the wall <laughs> as he's trying to escape on the motorcycle. That's when he was like, "Oh, this is really cool." But when we got to the end with the with the laboratory and all the different deaths that are in that, he was so on board with what that movie is. And uh, but the elevator sequence where 
Because I mean, it's just it's structured so beautifully. It's it's a brilliant script. Yeah. And, and, and Bradley Whitmore finally getting to see his was it the, the merman? merman the merman uh, yeah, and, but, and then that being like the, like the setup for that joke the fact that they set up that joke like ninety yes. minutes before yes. is just brilliant I mean it's just yeah. it's it's really it's, it, Drew Goddard has to be one of the best screenwriters working in Hollywood today that movie sat on the 100%. shelf. For three years. Completely. Was it yeah. true that it was because Hemsworth became Thor that the studio was like, okay, we got to bring this out? I yes. don't know. Is that really? Uh, that's, that's, that's what I read. Is it, is it Hemsworth it, yes. became Thor and they're like, okay, now we need to get well, this out. And Joss directed Avengers. That's like true. Joss, yeah. or Joss yeah. directed. But before that, he was just the Buffy guy and yeah. they just had this idea. I saw Cabin in the Woods at South by Southwest over the opening weekend. And I that is one of the top five crowd experiences so good. Cool. Of I mean that's a movie that's Paramount made Theater. for South by Southwest it was unbelievable so and then we interviewed Joss the next day and that man was a broken shell of a person because he was in the final production stages of um, Age of Ultron oh Ooh. poor guy and he was he was so physically exhausted that he literally was like slumped in a chair and I came busting into the room because I was like, you wrote this amazing movie. It's so great. And he was like, I am so happy you liked it. Like, he couldn't even, couldn't muster anything. Poor and guy. Ultron just killed him. It, Ultron destroyed him, unfortunately. Ultron so. was not good either. I, I, feel, I feel bad. I know. Not. It was so, no venom. So Cabin in the Woods is my choice. And I've been told that Kevin gets to go next. You know, I, it's funny. I, I've gone back and forth in my mind. I have two deaths. And I'm still debating in my mind, but the one I was going to go with that I didn't end up going with with Gabe's text was the Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Johnny Depp death sequence. Uh, Great one. Went, which Great I one. still don't understand how they got that blood to shoot out of that bed the way they did. I mean, the beauty <laughs> of that it, scene. Wasn't the set upside down? Was it upside it? down? That's what I'm guessing. Oh, that's and cool. Then, and then the same thing with like when the when the girl was like up on the ceiling and they, they built like a um a Chris Nolan Inception room that <laughs> oh, tu- that that tumbled upside. And I've, done, I've watched a lot of behind. I, I literally have a, a Freddy Krueger glove on my <laughs> nice. wall. So I've watched cool. a lot of behind the scenes stuff for Nightmare on Elm Street. He, before, awesome. Long before Nolan ever did it for Inception, Wes Craven built a room that rolled so that the scene would so yeah. that she could like go up on the ceiling and stuff. That's 2001 style. And the cool thing about the uh, uh, but didn't Fred Astaire was that movie Royal Wedding where he's like dancing? Oh, it was. It wasn't the first circle. time that anyone's ever done it. But I'm just saying, no, I know. I feel like yeah. There's so many cool. Th- I love those things when they when they do the spinning rooms. Um, I went with uh, Rose McGowan's death from Scream. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. That's a. It's such a great death scene. It's <laughs> really good. I just lo- I love that entire sequence. Um, just. I mean, really, it's really not a great explanation other than the fact that it's just the death scene that stuck out with me in the in the horror movies. Uh, I remember, you know, seeing that movie when I was 12. Uh, I still am horrified by Drew Barrymore's death scene in that movie and how they killed her off Janet Lee style. It was like, you know, it was very uh, it was, that, that, speaking of game changers like Cabin in the Woods, Scream was very similar in the sense that it just really kind of. It was brilliant, uh, and McGowan's death. I don't know why it just sticks out in my mind. Her in that in that garage door that was a little doggy door, right? Like, the, yeah, and she yeah, like, yeah. and she just gets like lifted up, and it's just I don't know. <laughs> it's just the death scene that I've. And it's weird to say your favorite death scene, but that was the uh, that's one that like came to my mind immediately when I thought about it. So I went with it because it was one of my, one of my first choices in my head but i was battling between that and uh nightmare and i'll shoot with johnny depp but uh there's a lot of other great horror death scenes out there for sure and and you know there's ones that i could go on and on about but i don't know the mcgowan one is one that stuck with me since i was like 12 or 14 so that's awesome good yeah. choice jake I, uh so this home. is i mean i i 
you know, you guys know I'm a big horror movie fan, so this is actually one of my favorite blends that we've done. Uh, nice. And I, I kept going back to one, and, and every time I would think of, of one, I was like, well, maybe this one. I was like, well, why am I trying to talk myself out of my one that is my favorite? And my favorite, for so many reasons, has to be uh, Drew Barrymore in the opening scene of Scream. Yeah, nice. just cool. I mean, we both went scream, yeah, we both man. went screaming, and, cool. and, and in fact, my alt, my alternative that I kept going back to was Johnny Depp and Nightmare. Oh, um, but that's just, funny we both did that. Yeah, the the elements that go into that scene. One, the fact that so you're good. killing off an A list actress, Janet Lee style, within the first five minutes. I mean, like, I mean, now we all know, you know, we see her on the poster, and we all know that she dies in the first five minutes. But when that movie came out, that was, I mean, she was on the poster, she was in the marketing, she did interviews. I mean, it was 100%. a big deal. And huge shock. I mean, just the slow burn of what that scene begins, how that scene oh. begins and how that scene ends. It begins yep. with a girl cooking popcorn in order to watch. Uh, in fact, I think she's about to watch Nightmare on Elm Street, if I remember right, because she yeah. says, watch the first one and the rest of the sequel suck, which is ironic because Wes Craven directed some of the sequels. But <laughs> and then the, and the fact that within five <laughs> minutes, it goes from a young girl just cooking popcorn, getting ready to watch a horror movie to if you watch the director's cut. A mom seeing her daughter hanging from a tree with her entrails hanging out onto the, the lawn. Oh, that's a deleted. That, that's in the real. That's in the movie. No, there's no yeah. there. That, that's but the there is a, a cut where it's much more graphic, a much uh, more gory. Oh, there's a director's cut where that shot of her hanging from the tree oh. is significantly more um, gruesome. And it's right. and I mean just like the slow burn. I mean like that's that it's almost like a small short film. And I, I remember reading that Kevin Williamson just like banged out that scene in like, like what, just a couple of hours. And it's just every beat of that scene is, is just horror perfection. Every line, the back and forth between the voice and, and Drew Barrymore is just absolutely fantastic. And it's the epitome of a great horror kill. It's, it's a character I, that you get a feel for even in a, in yeah. just a few minutes and that you genuinely like feel bad that she kind of like you, you don't know this really this girl that well, but it's just it's a horrible, horrible. And that you when that moment when the parents really oh. start to realize something's happening, and I believe the father says like call the police. That moment where like I don't even have parents, but like I get chills just thinking like coming home and before you even they found her, they realize something happened and just like oh it just oh it's oh. It's, it's horrifying. You I'll take kids, it one step like back. I'll go a half step back. Um, I don't know if you guys do this, but there are moments in scenes, and again, it plays to the fact that we've seen so many movies, and when you're in a scene, you kind of know in your head like how this is going to go, and then you get to a moment where a movie has the balls to basically push it a little yeah. bit further, and whenever people sort of get reaction shock, like I'm always like, oh, oh, this this movie's not playing games. Like yeah. It's really serious, and to me, it's when they show the boyfriend taped yes. to the chair yes. and he's all bloody and and i was like oh wait a second this movie is going to be really good because if we have time like okay so i i was a kid whenever i saw this movie my parents let me see it whenever it came out on vhs which like i yeah. still was way too young to be seeing it but yeah, that's yeah, yeah. where my, my yeah. love of horror came from yeah. you were you like you were old enough to be able to experience that in theater and it didn't do it well because it didn't come out around 40 45 it, it came out right yeah exactly you came out <laughs> around christmas time if i'm right right and then and it didn't do well when it came out but it just had a ton of legs and played yeah. for weeks on end would you remember what the audience reaction was or, or what like america's reaction to that movie was i don't because when you say it didn't play well i'm surprised at that to me i thought it was big yeah. from the get-go no it, it opened it's... poorly and then picked up steam week for week that's my buddy, my buddy's Ben's, my buddy Ben's dad bought us tickets and then walked us to the usher and walked us in and left. 
I'll never forget. I still have my Scream 1 ticket. And But but to Jake's point about about that death being so iconic, like uh, the other day, Lauren and I were at a grocery store and we found the... We found like the popcorn that you put on the stove yeah. and you cook, and like, that, the first thing that hit my mind was scream. Like I mean, scream, like yeah, that, exactly. for a movie. And I will say this, and I say this a lot about films, and when they do well with uh, as a filmmaker, if I watch that scene over again, I I somehow still hope that her parents will see her before yeah. she yeah. gets killed. And I and I and it's this weird thing in my mind. Even though it, doesn't the mom get on the phone with her like while she's. Choking? Yes, yeah, she's talking to her. You know, it's weird, and it sounds so stupid to say. My mind is cutting back and forth between that and the opening it's of Scary, scary movie. movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when the, when the popcorn gets really big, <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm thinking about when wait, you wait, say wait. popcorn, I picture that image of the popcorn, yeah. just as the massive balloon size. <laughs> and I, I just had like images of what the parents were doing in the yeah. car and like scary movie. I'm like, wait, that wasn't scary. That was yeah. that was scary movie, not. Scary or when movie. Carmen Electra has the choice between like grenade knife and <laughs> yeah. banana, and she chooses banana. <laughs> isn't, there a, isn't there a sign that says yeah. this way? Yeah. Yeah, this way. This, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that was actually That's really funny. well done. That first, the first one, I love the first movie. one. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah that was great. And the end, the 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 killer in Scream Two was very clever, being Billy's mom or um, oh, a Laurie Metcalf. Yeah, but you know, Laurie Metcalf and Timothy Oliphant was the other killer. I would never choose this as a favorite death scene or, or a scene that I would bring up in a, in a sense of like liking it. But I, to this day, I cannot watch. Um, the two characters stabbing each other at the end of Scream One, like like yeah. to, to, getting like, a little woozy it, here. It literally hurts my stomach. <laughs> like it's Matthew such Lillard. A Matthew fight. Lillard's great in that moment. Yeah. The, oh my god. Like the like the, the blood dripping from his yeah. mouth. The, the yeah. woozy line. It's like getting a little woozy. Here. It's it, it, it's very that that scene. Oh, is, now I want to watch that. What am I, I going to watch tonight? It's October. I love watching horror movies in October. When I think about that right. scene. Well, the audience went with uh, my myology on Twitter says Drew Barrymore in screen, nice. which is also producer Gabe's pick. Why okay. you guys are all over the place with this? Nico on Twitter says Sarah Michelle Geller dying, and I know what you did last summer. Yeah. Oh, and also she's running really down the alley because she almost gets yeah. to the parade. Also, really good one. Yeah. And uh, Rob Rob the Mind uh, says Jared Leto dying in American Psycho, and he was wondering if that would count as Ooh. if American Psycho counts as horror. I think it does. Yeah, I mean, a, a guy with an counts. axe. Yeah, yeah. And then he would have said Patrick Bateman would have been his monster from last week. You open, a, you, you open a floodgate. Also yes fair. or, yes oh. or yeah, no, no, yes or no question. At the end of American Psycho, did he do it or did he not do it? I think he did. He did. I think he did. I don't think he and did. It's, and it's a testament to society that... The uh, the real estate woman is willing to come in and clean up a murder scene in order to sell uh, an apartment, and I think that it's saying that about society that we would rather like push aside actual horror. Actually, we would rather cl- just just ignore it in order right. to be able to move move forward with our materialistic lives. Did you guys ever read the book American Psycho? Oh no, yeah. have you no, read the, Have you read the scene that they didn't put in the movie with the rat? Yes, yes, that's the scene I'm talking about. It has haunted me ever since I've read it, Kevin. It's Ooh. horrific. It okay, when we, get off, when we get off camera, I want you guys to tell me what the most disgusting death. And by yes. the way, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, I think I interviewed Brett Easton Ellis. Every death in American Psycho is a real is a real crime. Is a real is a real thing that happened. Really? I don't doubt that. So, so, you guys, so both of you guys think that he never did it? I don't think he did it. I think it was all. I think it was all. I, I think it was it. all in his head. And I'm glad that movie uses the soundtrack so good, though, man. Now I want to watch that. It's the studio, (laughs) and then he kills. Oh my god, that's a great death scene with Jared Leto, man. Well, yes, Paul, it is. (laughs) 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 It's really good. That's a great. I wanted to do that to Leto's Joker, by the way. Hey, Um, so we're going to continue on the horror blend theme next week, and Jake, I think you're going to enjoy this one also. I'm excited. This is hashtag 
underrated horror blend. Ooh, hot damn, I'm excited. You're going to recommend a horror movie that is not beloved by everybody that should be. Uh, You can go as far back as you want to. To clarify... Uh, here we go. When you say underrated, like, does that mean, like, let's say there's a movie that maybe didn't do well at the box office, and I feel like the general public doesn't super know it, but overall yes. critics loved it? Yeah. Would Cabin uh, well, in the just, Woods be a good example of that? No, I think enough people know Cabin in the Woods. Okay, Interesting. So, this, okay. so, so like, The Descent, was that yes. underrated? Okay, yep. all right. Yeah, all right, sorry. I think, so that's, I think that's underrated. Realm of where we are with yeah. that. Okay. I think it's something that's not a staple and not discussed on the regular. Interesting. Okay, beautiful. I'm excited. But, but it's really effective. You know, it's a good one, and this won't be my pick. Is Scott Derrickson's Sinister? That's yes, Sinister's that's great. That's a great one. Movies I, I love. Oh, and you Sinister, know what? Death dude. I almost did um, was the girl in Hereditary, the daughter in Hereditary this Ooh. year. This year, yeah. that was great. Come on, that was great. That was great. But I didn't yeah, want to talk about it. It's still, still a bit of a spoiler. Hereditary, like you did. Oh, Hereditary, so good. I think it's gonna make my top ten. Ah, um, this really? has been episode number forty-one. Well, maybe I have to revisit it again. Um. Episode 41 of Real Blend. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in on the Facebook page. If you guys watched us in that fashion, if you're on iTunes or Spotify or any of those other portals for downloading the show, we appreciate it, of course, and leave us a review. Help us get that star rating up to 100. If you have a musical talent, I nag Gabe about this every single week. We would love a theme song to open the show. So if you Real have a friend Real who knows what uh, music Real and wants to whip up a really quick, uh, but really not that great. kind of game showy show tune thing that <laughs> Jake is doing. You know, um, if you're not careful, you're going to lose me. Contemporary. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at Real Blend. Uh, you can follow Jake at Jake's Takes, Kevin at Kevin McCarthy TV, and me at Sean underscore O'Connell. We will be back next week. We don't know yet what time, but we will be talking a little bit more about First Man. We got your message that we're Wait, doing can a Mission we, can Impossible we Fallout say deal. That, that we're the next time all of us are going to be in one room together? Well, I think we're going to get to do one more before that. I know, but we? oh, so, so we shouldn't reveal it yet? I think we talked about it. Oh, did we? I don't know. I don't listen. Well, we'll all we all be in London it. for Bohemian Rhapsody, essentially. Correct. And we're going to do one more show. Of a man's Yay! One more live show or together show. <laughs> and we're going to do three hours this time. Three. Four. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. Talk to you next week. First man. Hello. First man. Deadpool? <laughs> <laughs>